0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Praise the Lord. I'm going to talk about um, something very simple tonight, but especially in the time that we are living and in this time of the holidays, um, I think there's a lot of different opinions, even, even on something like Christmas, you know. Um, I don't know if you know that, but Christmas actually hasn't got a Christian origin. And so there's uh, two different groupings in the church. Um, and people sometimes say, sure, what, what should we partake in it, should we not? We are, we are doing a, a service on the 25th with, combined with nine other churches here at um, Salimbaugh's High School in the morning, so if you want to go and join there, it's just great of what God is doing in our midst with the churches just in Stellenbosch, Um good lighting our hearts and many of the leaders here are becoming good friends and sharing a lot of life together, um, but you know, when, when we walk through life, and I'm going to talk about walking circumspectly, how many of you know what the word circumspectly means? It's not a, a normal English word, okay, just raise your hand very high, okay? All those people who um raise their hands, will you please come to the front and come and explain to us? Come, come. Stefan, come quickly, run. Okay. Oh, yeah, on this spot, okay? <laughs> now he is gonna need to repent of all the off doctrines a little bit later. I think it is walking in completeness and wholeness and with open vision.
1: Not the almost there,
0: almost there. That's not the Oxford dictionary. Okay, Henry, are you coming to explain the rest, or did you go to the toilet? <laughs> Henry just got the shock of his life. Okay. He thought, I just went to the toilet. But in any case, um, he was walking toiletry, not circumspectly. Okay. But so in Ephesians, that's where uh, Paul is writing this this passage, and we're going to look a bit at that. And he's writing from prison, and it's a, it's a profound book, the book of Ephesians, where he writes about our... Position in Christ, and it's there's a guy from China who wrote a book. Uh, his name is Watchman Nee. Sit, walk, stand. It's uh, sort of the three parts of the Book of Ephesians, and he was writing on our position in Christ, and then how uh, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, and then sort of at the end of Ephesians, he's writing about how do we walk in Christ, how do we live out this revelation that we have, that we are seated with Jesus, that we have all authority. Um, that, that he is high and lifted up. And it to, he's talking about a spiritual dimension. And that's sort of the groundwork he lays in the first three chapters. Now, Ephesians and Colossians are many many of the scriptures or the wording is almost the same. Ephesians has been written to a, book, a, a group of churches. And it's, it's really profound if you understand what our position in Christ is, that there's an old you and there's a new you in Christ. If you just go and Google in Christ in Ephesians, It's just so many times it comes up, our position in Christ. We are seated with Christ. We are in, you know, uh, we're in the fullness of Christ. And so so in Ephesians chapter 4, that's sort of where he he sort of starts to jump into this whole aspect of how do we walk out the Christian walk. And uh, eventually in Ephesians chapter 6, he gets to this place where we have this armor on and he says there's also a spiritual war. Uh, We must put on our spiritual armor and we must fight a battle. Uh, We must know that in this life, things are not just passing through. And so he starts in Ephesians 4 verse 1, he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So he's, he's talking about this concept of walking. So if you're walking, you are on a way, you're on a route, you're on a path somewhere. Would you agree? Uh, you're not walking in circles hopefully not Um, i don't know if you've ever been like in nature and you walked and you came back to the same space and you realize like i've been here two hours ago so now i'm lost he's not talking about being lost he's talking about you are on a route somewhere you are going somewhere if you're walking you're not standing still later in ephesians 6 he talks about standing when you fight he says don't walk anymore stand (laughs) whatever you've done Stand now. Once you've walked in Christ, you're on this route, then there's also a position where we fight. But he says, well, how do we walk with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. So he's, he's beginning to talk about this aspect that we have this amazing ability. Now he's in prison, he's writing to them that are free, and he says, I, I actually beg you to walk worthy of the calling, uh, to to live a life praising God, to live a life that is acceptable to God. You know, it's a lot of um, Christians that measure their lives with people around them, and they think, well, oh, you know, I'm, I'm better than the person around the corner, or I'm better than... The church around the corner, you know, I'm not religious as them. At least I have a band in my church and, and some Jesus signs and some joy signs and some hope signs. So, so we, we're a bit more funky than the group around the corner. You know, so we like to compare ourselves with people around us. And then we actually think like, hey, I'm, I'm sharp, I'm okay. But Paul is actually writing against this. And he says, I, I beseech you, I beg you that you walk in the light of Christ. That you walk in the light of scripture. That you walk in the revelation that you have, and that you wo- that you walk according to that calling on your life, worthy of that which Christ has died for you. That it's not a comparison with other people, but the revelation that you have that you start walking in it. And I actually beg you, he says that that you live with this urgency, that you actually live with a with a certain hot attitude. He talks about it. He says lowliness, gentleness, with long suffering. Bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to walk in unity. So, so he says that's the attitude with which we walk. But, but you have got a calling. You know, a lot of Christians today we want to sort of just make it to heaven. And I had a conversation with with a guy that's a big financial advisor, um, a, quite a young guy, yesterday at, at a wedding, and um, and so we had this sort of like a sort of a talk onto what's the challenge for the church on the West, you know, and I think obedience is probably the biggest challenge. Uh, We love to say, I'm going to church, I'm having an experience with God, but when we have obedience-based discipleship, we live our lives completely different. Then we don't just come to each other and say, hey, how's it been going with your addiction or How, you know, are you a good person? What I actually begin to challenge you on is the calling on your life. I come to you and say, okay, but what did God tell you two years ago? And and are you walking in that? You know, it was uh, very, a lot of fun for me. There's a guy, Aiden, and I'm doing some promotion for him, you know, because I just love it when people walk in faith. You know, Aiden has got a, uh, he's a hairdresser. And um, he used to be in the Neil set, so i I love to to just support Christians. if I know there's a Christian guy and he was the youth leader at our Clutuzville congregation and he's moved to yester River now but but he's he cuts my hair, okay, cool, eh especially my cave huh <laughs> Th- thank you very much okay but so um but so <clears throat> i I would regularly go to him. To support him, but we were talking about him starting his own hair salon and 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 just stepping out in faith, you know. And so, so it's amazing. While well, we've been talking about that for five years already, every time I get to, I said to him, "Eden, how far are you with that vision God has given you? What, what, what's happening in your heart?" And then then I realize, like every time, you know, we uh, we psych each other up, you know, and we sort of say, "Yes, yes, it's going to happen. It's going to happen soon." And so last time. When I was there, you know, we were just talking about it again, and I said, "Now nah, we're going to pray." And so, um, just on on Saturday morning, I WhatsApped him and says, "Can you cut my hair?" And I said, "I've got a very good surprise for you. It's in my new hair salon, just behind Pick and Pay, there, Romans Pizza." And and so, so I was the first customer to go and arrive, and I walked in there. Half of the stuff were not even fixed yet. I said, "You're going to cut my hair, and we're going to do it joyfully unto the Lord." You yeah? know. Praise God, you know, and so now he's sitting there and he's he's sitting with this massive smile because actually his faith has produced something, you know, and he's standing there and he's so excited, you know, he didn't sleep half of the night, so I thought like, oh, maybe he's going to cut two holes in my ear, I don't know, but, but it was just such a joy because we were holding each other accountable and it took five years, but now he's in, you know, and it's a massive faith step, step for him, but it's so exciting when we can keep each other accountable to obedience. And that's what the church should do. That's what we should do in our relationships. Is hey, what, what is God telling you and how can I help you? And that's what Paul is writing. He says, endeavor with one another, bear with one another, support each other. Keep the unity of that agreement that we have concerning the things that God has spoken to you about. Otherwise, we just become good church goers. Yeah, yeah, it's nice, I'm going to church. And then 10 years later, you're still going to church. But Jesus is looking for fruit in our lives. Jesus is looking, and that's why Paul, sitting here in prison, he's got this urgency, and he's saying, hey guys, wake up, wake up, walk worthy of the calling. And so now we're jumping a chapter, and we're going to Ephesians 5, because this is um, where I actually want to get to. It says, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. Ephesians 5, verse 13 to 21. Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. It's, it's sort of almost out of context that he says, I want you to awake Christians. I want you not to be asleep. You know, this is the time of the year where a lot of people just shut down. They're just like, I'm tired. I'm, I'm sort of like, I, I, I just want to zone out. Yeah? And that's normally the best time when God wants to speak to you. And so, Paul is writing here in prison, and he's saying, awake church, <laughs> let the light shine into your life. You know, let your, let God's light manifest in your life. Awake you sleep. He says, church, you're fast asleep. I think the church in the West is fast asleep. And, and we, we're not, we're missing so many opportunities that God is inviting us to, because we're we, we sort of slowly just getting distracted. With a lot of things okay and so this is what he says then, see then that you walk circumspectly that's where that word is eh? Stefan's doctrine not as fools but as wise so it says when when you walk circumspectly you're not you have to choose either it's going to be a wise walk or you're gonna just be a fool you're gonna waste a lot of your time you're gonna you're gonna sort of just drift off and so He says, in that, redeeming the time because the days are evil, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, to walk circumspectly means you are on a road, you're going somewhere, but you're walking very carefully. And you're not deviating from the path that you've been set on. And and this is sort of one of the themes that Paul writes about a lot. He says, hey... I'm, I'm looking forward, I'm pressing forward to the goal, the upward call in Jesus Christ. Letting go of the things that are behind. Forgetting the things that are behind. Stretching myself out to the upward call of Christ. And so you can almost see this urgency as Paul is writing in many letters because he's got this concern for the church that the church has become deceived, that the church has become distracted, that the church has become just passive The church is just sitting down and now he's writing with this urgency. He's writing and he says, awake church, awake church, be ready, be focused. And so so I think a lot of challenges is is even in the church. Now you have this big group of people that... That says, no, 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 we're not supposed to perform. We're not supposed to do anything. Just, and, and then you have the other group that just says like, or that group says, wait on the Lord, just grace, just, just do nothing because you shouldn't do anything. And then you have the other group that just wants to go, 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 go and go into performance or into works. And I think for all of us, it's a challenge. It depends on what type of personality you have. But what he writes about is these three things. He says, And he repeats it again. Peter repeats it again when he says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because the devil is walking around like a roaring lion." So when we walk, there's this concept of, "I'm focused. I have the goal in mind. I'm 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 ready to go. (laughs) I'm I'm focused on every opportunity I have. I'm not driven, but I am sober." Now, if you are not sober, it means you are quite loud and you have had a couple of drinks in and you are very bold, but you're actually not, you know. When, you, when you're when you sober, you are not aware of your circumstances and you cannot really take anything in. you you sort of the party man or you are like very bold, but you are clearly not knowing what's going on. That's why you don't drink and drive, yeah? you know, when you, because when you're not sober while you're driving... You cannot take in all the information that's coming your way and you're going to make an accident. And so the same concept Peter writes about, he says, be sober, be vigilant, be ready. Be be focused on what is going around you. And I think a lot of Christians today, they don't have discernment as what is actually happening around us. And we're not ready. It's almost like this soldier that goes to sleep with his boots on. <laughs> you know, he's ready, he's focused. And I've, I've heard this testimony, it's a crazy testimony, but of a guy in the Middle East, and we actually, when we were at one of Reinhard Bonkers crusades, we actually met this guy who actually had to help some of these Christians. And he said, one, one night he was waiting in another hotel, um, it's a German guy, and he said, that then some of the people came to kill one of his friends, a Christian guy. And so the Christian guy woke up in the middle of the night with a voice, the voice of the Lord. This is a crazy testimony. And the Lord said to him, get up, jump out of the window. But the problem was he's like on the second story. So he just immediately obeys. He jumps up, grabs his bag, opens up the window and he jumps out of the window. And as he jumps out of the window, three people burst, two or three people burst through the door with machine guns and starts to open up fire in the room and on the bed that he was sleeping And so he falls down, he doesn't break a leg, and he just runs. How's that for implicit obedience? Most of us would just sit there and say like, Oh, spirit of Dubai, get behind me, voice. I'm sleeping. Why would the Lord bother me in my sleep, you know? (laughs) Then the spirit of Dubai will be all over us, you know? And this guy jumped. He jumped two out of two stories. Most of us would think like, that's crazy. But there are people that live in that space. There are people that have to rely on God every day for just their mere life existence. And so there's this thing of being sober, being vigilant, because we're realizing that you're not everything is as calm and as normal as we see around us. Are, are you with me tonight? Okay, And that means we need discernment. Even when you go on a holiday, don't switch off. There's going to be stuff, I don't know if you've ever gone to a place, you know, that's just the golden rule for me. Whenever I go to another place and I sleep in another place or another room that I'm not familiar with, I always pray and say, Lord, protect me. Because, you know, sometimes you wake up and something, you get this dream or something that bugs you in the middle of the night. And then you realize, like, everything is not so kosher here, you know. There's some spiritual stuff happening. So don't ever, as a Christian, you can't just go into a place and think like, oh, you know, this is nice. Because you don't know what people did in that room, or what they said, or what they spoke over that place when you were not there the previous day. So we 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 can't just assume stuff. We can't just not be ready in places where we go. And so that's the challenge when a lot of people, especially over holidays, switches the Lord and their spirituality off. But you can't. You can't afford that as a Christian. Are are you with me? (laughs) You have to be ready. But that doesn't mean you're driven. That just means you're sober. You are awake and you are aware because you are walking circumspectly. (laughs) You are aware of what is going around you. That doesn't mean you're not allowed to rest. You are allowed to rest and you can lie under the spirit of Duvay at least, but at least not 18 hours, okay? That's a word for some students here and some people at school. So to walk circumspectly, the first part of that is scripture talks about being sober, being vigilant. The second thing is we want to walk carefully on this road because we know that our lives is an example to others. We need to set the standard for others. We're not yet to say, "Yo, I, I, I'm, I'm just looking out and look how the most of the church is compromising, and all that stuff." Is I want to set an example, worthy of that calling. I want, I want to live worthy of the value of what Jesus died for, and that means that everything I do, I want to set an example. You know, I, I, I don't have anything against alcohol, but I, I don't drink. And the, the changing point for me was. Two things. The first one was because I grew up on a farm where people used to get wine as part of their payment, and the destruction of wine in on the farm was just crazy, and and I didn't want to associate with that. Well, probably also because I, I've got a sweet tooth. I, I don't like better things, you know. so I just don't like beer. I just don't. It's just not nice for me, you know. Just like, well, you know, there's no there's no sugar in it, you know. Give me sugar, sugar, honey, honey. But you know, so, but uh, that's, you know, but the second thing was once at a wedding, and I've told the story before, I was sitting at the wedding, and there was a guy two tables away, and, and I didn't notice it, but there was, um, somebody poured out wine for us, like very expensive wine at this wedding, and I just thought like, maybe I should drink it, and then I realized like, ah oh, no, I'm not, not going to drink it. And then two or three tables away, this guy was sitting, and, he only told me two or three weeks later. he said, I was an alcoholic and I was sitting at a wedding and I was watching you the whole night and I was looking whether you were going to drink that wine or not. And I thought in my head, if you're going to drink it, then I'm going to start drinking again. I've been sober for nine months or ten months and then you didn't drink of that wine in front of you. And that was such an encouragement to me not to not to go back to drinking. And I thought, like, whoa, oh, you know, does that mean I must be driven, tried to perform in front of people? No, it's just, I want to set an example through my life. I want others to say, wow, we can run the race because you've run the race. Two weeks ago, I was up with some Angus there on the farm and I just said to him, do you know what? I'm so encouraged by you. There's so many people looking at you and that's why you're getting so much flack and so many people are, you know, whenever you just do one little thing wrong, then people are going to, come and try and slaughter you because why you're an example to us and you've run faithfully and i want to encourage you keep on going keep on going yeah and so the question is do you want to be an example or do, do you just want to be a mediocre christian do you, do you want to just be a good person making it to heaven or do you want to make a difference i was thinking a lot i don't know if, how many of you have heard of reynard ponka raise your hand quickly if you have raised. but i was thinking a lot this week now, he died uh, last week, and we are very familiar with his ministry because uh, I used to worship with um, Reinhardt, you know, it was Jesus, Moses, Reinhardt Ponker. He was top five, yeah? And um, I've I've told you many stories of how I was embarrassed of trying to pray before him, and then he stopped me in the middle of the prayer, and he says, no, we don't pray like that, you know, in his German voice, and I thought, oh, Lord, please, let let the second coming happen right now, you know? <laughs> But, but but he's just a guy that I've never seen. Somebody so focused, you know. We were sitting one day at the table, at the breakfast table, and well, we were five pastors, and one of the pastors, uh, you know, was talking about a cycle tour that we were doing around the country seven times, and explaining all the stuff and all the effort. And Umar was sitting there with his breakfast, and he looked up, and he said, "So, how many souls got saved?" And the pastor couldn't answer him anything. It was just like a pre-cycle trip, you know. And we realized like, whoa, this guy is so focused. But I was thinking this last week, just imagine him and through his ministry, he led almost 70 million people to Jesus. 79 years old. Almost 70 million people. Now imagine you coming to heaven and the applause... In heaven of those of you led to Jesus there before you. Imagine the welcome when you get there and you realize like your life has been an example for so many to be able to get into the throne room of God. I was just thinking a lot about that. I I was just thinking what Moses and Abraham would say to Reinhardt. What God would say, well done, good and faithful servant but he was very focused i remember we were there in lagos in the year 2001 was it 2000 and there were million it was actually a smaller crusade but there were just 2 million people over the 5 days that came to these outreach events and that night specifically i think there was 180,000 people that committed their life to christ in ikoron in the north and so we were driving back and we were all very tired, Na- Lagos, Nigeria, it's not a nice place, hallelujah, you know. And so, so now we're arriving at the hotel and there's about 12 of us or 14 of us and we all want to just go to bed because tomorrow morning is the early morning. And Reinhard was walking here with us and then he stopped and then, I'll never forget it, he turned around and there was a guy sitting in the foyer and he went to this guy and he went to sit down and then he started to preach that whole sermon that he just preached. To almost a million people, he preached it to that one guy. Again, and he led him to Jesus. And I thought like, wow, Lord, that's why you can trust him with so much. Whoa. But he was focused. He was walking the road. So, so I want to set an example. And then the third thing is I want to influence others. I want, I want to make a difference. Are, are, are you with me tonight? <laughs> you know. So when I walk circumspectly, I want to think like, wow! I'm not just going home to this family. I want to. I want to trust the Lord for opportunities to influence them, to speak life over them, to say, no, 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 not that, but that. That's God's way. No, no, not that, but that's you know. I, I want to be an encourager. I want to encourage others. I want to endeavor. I want to. I want to walk with people and say, God, come and and show them who you are. And it's, it's not, I'm not talking about doing a lot of things. This is not about performance because now, after Paul wrote this, now he begins to tell us how we're going to do it. I want to I read it again. Let's read that Je- Ephesians 5 and then we're going to pray for each other. He says, uh, verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So he's seriously talking about and he's challenging them to be focused and to be sober and to go. And then he sort of begins to describe. Verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So, so it's this it's like the serious focus, but then he talks about this immense joy, this immense overflowing and abundance, and it, and it looks like because I don't know about you, but if I if I focus if I'm focused, then I get very serious. I actually get a frown. Louise always tells me, "Don't frown like that," you know. When I First child came out, she also had a frown exactly like that. I thought, Huna, oh, you know, <laughs> this thing has been passed on, you know, into the generations because I get a frown and then I focus. And then I just have, need some people around me to say, smile a while and give your face a rest. You know, you know, that old song, there's an old song and I think like, I don't want to smile now. I am focused, you know, get out of my way, you know, but then sometimes I forget to even greet people because I'm focused and on the way, you know, and then sometimes the, the Lord just you know, gives you like a flat tire, so that you can just enjoy life a little bit. You know, enjoy the scene. But, 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 so we all have these moments when we can so focus, and then it's almost like completely the other way. He says, and 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 don't be don't be drunk with wine, but be full with holy spirit. And and then he talks about this picture of how we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and with a melody in your heart it, it, it doesn't talk about this ooh this intense driven person it talks about an intense yielded person. Because if, if you if you drink wine and you get drunk you you give over control. That that's that's probably the the problem with people drinking too much is you give control to something else. Or someone else where you're not you're not sober, you you don't know what's going on around you. And and then you lose control, but in a negative way because now you're getting other people or circumstances or your fears because that's what happens when you get drunk is you try to remove your fears or you try to escape from things. So you're not sober. You're just actually trying to run away from the problems. But he says something completely different. He says, I want you to go into that place where there's such an overjoy when you are full. Be full. He doesn't say try and have a nice experience with the Holy Spirit. He says, but be full. Not do filling. He says, be full. It's like in a command. He says, This is this is the way. The way you get more focused is by surrendering more to the Holy Spirit. And then he talks about this beautiful surrender of singing and making melody. And you know, you can know that you're in a bad spot with the Lord if you have lost your song. If you've lost that ability where you just wake up in the morning and you can just sing and you can just say, be thankful to the Lord. Your thankfulness is equal to your maturity in Christ. How thankful are we? Or are we like always negative and fearful? And that's why it says giving thanks always for all things. Just the good stuff? Uh-uh. All things. Don't you know I've say all things? All things. Everything. Even your feet that doesn't smell so well. I'm looking to one or two people here. Okay? But do you know what? That, that is like... It. Some people are looking at each other's feet. But I don't know. Henry just thought other people next year. But so... It talks about this dimension that you can go to, which is so amazing. It says, if if we can understand it, that God wants to unlock over your life a thanksgiving and a joy and a song in all things, not just the good things, not just when I get a present or somebody blesses me or my bank account is full, but actually when my bank account is minus, when, when, when things are not going my way, when, when things are not... Working out as I thought it's going to go, you know. I had sort of a funny moment or just, but but I had to go and make a bit of a quick visit to the hospital and fr- on Friday. It wasn't planned. But I was lying there in the doctor's wards with a lot of people next to me. And then this one guy on the one side, now they're trying, I'm lying there, and I'm just enjoying every moment, and I'm just worshipping the Lord, and all that stuff, and so there's the guy, they're busy resuscitating the guy next to me, they're pulling blood, or drawing blood from the guy next to me, and he's going like, oh, and I'm thinking like, whoa, this sounds like a crazy place, and and so I'm lying in between five or six people, that, that feels like everyone is dying, you know, and I'm just lying there, I'm thinking like, sure, This is crazy, you know. Looks like a death row, you know, happening because the 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 and then the doctor comes and says, "Oh no, they don't always make noise like that." You know, I'm talking about the guy with the being resuscitated next to me, or the guy drawing blood next to me on the other side. You know, says, "No, no, she doesn't know. Actually, know which one I'm talking about." (laughs) Okay, (laughs) you're moving straight along, but then suddenly in that moment when when you when you're there, you realize like, "Wow, I I have a joy unspeakable." I have a piece, you know, because what happened, just in short, is I went to let my eye, eyes be, be tested, and when they blew that wind into my eyes, I have a reaction like seasickness, and the lady in the, the optometrist, it was her first week, and then there was another guy, it was his first day, so I completely had a blackout, you know, I had an S-com on them, you yeah? know, so I was, I was stage 9, stage 10, all over the place, yeah. So I collapsed, goof, in the optometrist. And then I tried to walk out and I collapsed again. And she thought I had a heart attack. So she was running up and down. And they ran out of the optometrist and they got the ambulance. And it was just like crazy, you know. So I was just there in my happy space. But then these people were panicking. She says, she moved down from from the free state, this optometrist lady. And she says, oh, my first week has been the most terrible week ever. I don't know what you guys do here in the Cape, you know. But (laughs) I said, oh, just happy days, you know. But so in any case, so... But, but it's, a, it's amazing when, when you're in moments where you're not in control, what comes out? Is that peace of God? Is that thankfulness? And this is what Paul is writing about. And then he ends off with submitting to one another in the fear of God. It's a, it's a submission thing. It's a, I want everybody to get there. And Peter later writes about this. I'm going to quickly read it. You can go and study. This is your scripture to go and study at home. Because he uses exactly the same things. And you can draw it from there. He says, But the end of all things, First well, Peter 4 verse 7 to 11, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. I actually used this scripture at a wedding yesterday. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Thankfulness. As each one has received a gift, minister to it one another as a good stewards of the manifold grace of God, submitting to one another. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with ability with God's supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. So he's, he's talking about this people that are serious and focused, but they're not driven. They realize the end of all things. The days are evil. Redeem the time. There's no time to waste. Don't waste your life. Walk circumspectly. Walk wisely. Not as fools. Because the world are doing stuff in a foolish way. Just wasting their lives. Just wasting everything. But we as Christians, we are passionate. We have fervent love for one another. We are focused. But there comes this hospitality. there's comes this thankfulness because that's what happens in the heart. That's when you yield it to the Holy Spirit. And so, what he begins to say then is, he says that when you speak, when you then start to minister, because out of that space of being focused, comes a beautiful ministry—the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of preaching—and you realize, like, I've got a grace. In an area to bless others. I've, I'm here not to be a seat warmer in the church. I'm here to minister. And to minister out of that overflow. In my focusness, in my oh, going for what God, that calling, there's an overflow. I'm not drunk with wine. But I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so so God wants to use each one in the church. <laughs> He wants to use you over these holidays. He wants to use you at your home, even if you just there, to learn to minister to God. To learn to minister to the people around you. Because there's so many opportunities in the days that we're living. But we can miss those opportunities if we're not thankful, if we don't realize like, wow, God places me in this place to be able to minister to others. And so if I do it, let him do it with the ability God supplies. Because I know the source is not me, the source is the Holy Spirit. If I try to do it my own strength, then I'm going to just go into dead works. I'm going to just perform. But that doesn't mean that I should not do works. It doesn't mean that I should not minister, because if I'm tapped into the Holy Spirit, the result of the Holy Spirit is a thankfulness and a ministry that happens. Is I want to bless others. I want to influence others. I want to set an example for people around me. Otherwise, it's not the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is just about your... Emotional experience with God, then you've not discovered the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to minister an overflow of God to others through your life. No, 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 but but we're just charismatic people. The Holy Spirit is just here to make me be a happy worshiper. Mm -mm. The Holy Spirit is here to help you when you focus on walking to understand the will of God. You start to minister to others. But you minister out of a thankfulness. You minister out of, because you've already received. You minister out of an overflow. And it's such a a beautiful example. So I want us to stand tonight as we're going to pray for each other. And we're going to pray that God will apply, give that ability, because if we don't do it in our own strength, that God may be glorified in and through our lives. And maybe you are here tonight and you're thinking like, sure, you know. I I don't have that ability because I've just got so many issues. But that's exactly when God wants you to learn to give up control. Just like a a person that drinks too much and gives up control to alcohol and all that stuff, God says, I want you to surrender because I want to create that ability in you. I I want to give you. That place where you can sing new songs, sing hymns and songs and make melody in your heart. The Holy Spirit wants to do it. The Holy Spirit wants to awaken you every morning and with a new song. Just that ability to love life, to love God, to love people fervently around us. But you know, many people just want to switch off and we think like resting is just an absence of being busy. That's not true biblical rest. True biblical rest is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it again. True biblical rest is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not to spend three weeks at a home or at the sea and just go and fish. Because you take all your fears with you. You take all your worries with you. But when you go and fish with Jesus... (laughs) He's going to fill you up. And he's going to give you a strength. And then you can sit there next to the fishing waters, but then you sing new songs. Then you just love life. You just love God. And you come back because you're strengthened in God. You have a song. that when the devil comes, you can run against the devil and say, I sing a hallelujah. Sing it louder. (laughs) Sing it louder. Sing it with greater zeal. Sing it with passion. Because why? I've been filled by God. I've been filled with God. I've been filled in God. And so, so I, want, I want to challenge us to stop grumbling, to stop self-pity, stop comparing ourselves with others, but really say, Lord, I, I, I don't want to be drunk with wine. I want to be filled with Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with your fullness. I want to, I want to have a joy unspeakable. I want to give thanks in all things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I have an opportunity. Sometimes we, in Stellenbosch, oh, yeah, you know, the parking is so bad in Stellenbosch. First world problems. You have a car to drive. Some people walk three days in Malawi just to be at church. We have a car to drive to church. Hallelujah. (laughs) You know? Maybe it doesn't work, maybe you have to pray over it twenty times. But hallelujah. I used to have this opal cadet. No, it was an opal cub, these round cars. It was a faith car. Yeah. I had to pray so many times. When I was still trying to impress Louise when we dated, it was actually a very funny story. I invited a lot of friends to come and visit and then only she pitched. Now we were not dating yet, so only she came and so we had three or four days on the farm together. But then we were driving this Opal Cub in Claymont Street and the thing died. So she had to run, start it and I had to push it down the street, you know. Humble beginnings, humble beginnings, you know. But the crazy part is, yeah. When you, when you can just live life and you realize like it's not determined by the things or where I go on a holiday. It's the fact that God is with me. The Holy Spirit is with me. You know, we sometimes pray say, God, please be with me. What a nonsense. It's not biblical. It says, lo, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Thank you for listening.